0: Shalom, shalom. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Great to see you guys here. We are in for another night of reading and um, discussing, fellowshipping. I'm, I'm going to get into this, the Word of God, and it's going to be awesome as always. Reading from 1 Chronicles, chapters 23 to 25, and several of the Psalms as well. So, welcome to all you who are listening in all the different platforms. Some really awesome, powerful psalms today. Uh, Psalm 131, 138, 139, 143, 145, one, 144, 145. Some very, very awesome psalms, as always. So, let's get into this. This is First Chronicles chapter 23. It says, So when David was old and full of days, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. He gathered together all the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. Now, the Levites were numbered from the age of 30 years and above, and the number of individual males was 38,000. Of these, 24,000 24, were to look after the work of the house of the Lord 6,000 were officers and judges, 4,000 were gatekeepers, and 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments, which I made, said David, for giving praise. Also, David separated them into divisions among the sons of Levi, Shun, Kohath, and Marari, of the Gershonites, Ladan, Shemai, uh, the sons of Ladan, the first Yahiel. Then, zatham and yoel or joel three in all the sons of shimai Shelemith, or shalamiath haziel and haran three in all these were the heads of the father's houses of ladan the sons of shimai yahath zina yahush and berea these were the four sons of shimai yahath was the first and ziza the second but Yahush and Berea did not have many sons. Therefore, they were assigned as one, as one father's house. The sons of Kohath, Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel, four in all. The sons of Amran, Aharon, or Aaron, and Moses, or Moshe. And Aaron was set apart, he and his sons forever. That he should sanctify the most holy things, to burn incense before the Lord, to minister to him, and to give the blessing in his name forever. Now, the sons of Moses, the man of God, were reckoned to, to the tribe of Levi or Levi. The sons of Moses were Gershon and Eliezer. Of the sons of Gershon, Shabuel, the first of the descendants of Eliezer, Rehabiah Rahab- was the first, and Eliezer had no, no other sons, but the sons of Rehabiah were very many. Of the sons of Ishar, Shelemith uh, was the first. Of, this, of the sons of Hebron, Yariah was the first, Amariah the second, Yehaziel the third, and Yakim the fourth, the sons of Uziel. Mikah was the first, and Yesha, Yeshia or Yeshaya the second. The sons of Re were Mahli and Mushi. The sons of Mahli were Eliezer and Kish, and Eliezer died and had no sons but only daughters. And their brethren, the sons of Kish, took them as wives. The sons of Mushi were Mahli. Adair, and Yeremoth, three in all. These were the sons of Levi by their fathers' houses, the heads of the fathers' houses as they were counted individually by the number of their names, who did the work for the service of the house of the Lord from the age of twenty years and above. For David said, the Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people, that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also the Levites, to the Levites, they shall no longer carry the tabernacle or any of the articles for its service. For by the last words of David, the, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above, because their duty was to help the sons of Aaron in the service of the house of the Lord, in the courts And in the chambers of all holy things and the work of the service of the house of God, both with the showbread and the fine flour for the grain offering with the unleavened cakes and what is baked in the pan with what is mixed and with all kinds of measures and sizes to stand every morning to to thank and praise the Lord. And likewise at evening. And at every presentation of a burnt offering to the Lord on the Sabbaths and on the new moons and on this, the set feasts by number according to the ordinance governing them regularly before the Lord, and that they should attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting, the needs of the holy place, the needs of the sons of Aaron, their brethren, in the work of the house of the Lord. 1 Chronicles chapter 24. Now these were the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar. And Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eliezer and Ithamar ministered as priests. Then David with Zadok, of the sons of Eliezer and Ahimelech, of the sons of Ithamar, divided them according to the schedule of their service. There were more leaders found of the sons of Eliezer than the sons of Ithamar, and thus they were divided. Among the sons of Eliezer were sixteen heads of their father's houses, and eight heads of their father's houses among the sons of Ithamar. Thus they were divided by lot, one group as another. For there were officials of the sanctuary and officials of the house of God from the sons of Eliezer and from the sons of Ithamar. And the scribe Shemaiah, the son of Nathanel, one of the Levites, wrote them down before the king, the leaders, Zadok the priest, Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, and the heads of the, of the father's houses, of the priests and Levites, one fa- one father's house taken for Eliezer and one for Ithamar. Now the first lot fell to Jehoirim, and the second, Yediah, and the third to Harim, the fourth to Seruim, the fifth to Malkiah, the sixth to Miamin, the seventh to uh, Hakoz, the eighth to Abiyah or Abijah, the ninth to Yeshua, the tenth to Shekiniah, the eleventh to Eliashib, the twelfth to Yaakim, the thirteenth to Huppah, the fourteenth to Yeshabab, the fifteenth to Bil- Bilga, the sixteenth to Immer, the seventeenth to Hazir, eighteenth to Habbizis or Happy. Zez, it's quite the name. Happy Zez, the nineteenth to Peth, uh, Pethahiah, the twentieth to Yehazekel. That's it's another form of Ezekiel. So we see what we have here in the um, footnotes. Yehezko yeah, Yehazko is another form of Ezekiel. The twenty-first to Yakin, the twenty-second to Gamul, the I guess this would be a, a variation of Gamlio, Gamalio, the twenty-third to Dalia, to Delia. the twenty-fourth to Mazia. This was the schedule of their sons for coming into the house of the Lord according to the ordinance by the hand of Aaron their father, as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. And the rest of the sons of Levi, of the sons of Amram, Shubael, of the sons of Shubael, Yediah, concerning Rehambiah, of the sons of Rehambiah, the first was Ishiah of the Israelites, Shelemoth, uh, of the sons of Shelemoth, Yahath, of the sons of Hebron, Yiriyah was the first, Amariah the second, Yahaziel the third, Yakameam the fourth, of the sons of Uziel, Mika, of the sons of Mika, Shamir, the brother of Mika, Eshia. Of the sons of Ishia, Ze- Zechariah, the sons of Marari were Mahli and Mushi, the sons of Yahaziah, um, Be- Beno, <clears throat> the sons of Marari were Yahaziah, by Yahaziah were Beno, Shoham, Zakur, and Ibri, of Mahli, Eliezer, had no son who had no sons of Kish, the son the son of Kish or uh, yeah Kish, uh, Yeel, Yereme, also the sons of Mushi were Mothli, Ader, and Yeremoth. These were the sons of the Levites, according to their fathers houses. These also had uh, cast lots just as their, Brothers, the sons of Aaron did in the in the presence of King David, Zadok, Ahimelech, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the priests and Levites. The chief fathers did just as their young brethren. First Chronicles chapter 25, the musicians. Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service some of the sons of Asaph, of Haman and of Yudathun. Who should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments and cymbals. Can you imagine that? This is not just prophesying with words, this is prophesying with instruments. Isn't that awesome? And the number of the skilled men performing their service was of the sons of Asaph or Asaf, Zakur, Yosef, Nathaniah, and Asher Ashar. This, uh, the sons of Asaph were under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied according to the order of the king of Yaduthun. The sons of Yaduthun: Zeri, Yesh- yeshaya Shimei, Hashabia, and Metathia. Metathia. This is a a form of the Hebrew form of, of the name Matthew. Six six of them under the direction. Under the direction of their father Thun, who prophesied with the harp to give thanks and to praise the Lord. Of uh, Ham, uh, Haman, the sons of Haman Bukiah, Matania, Uzial, Shebuel, Yerimoth, Hananiah, Han, uh, Hanani, Eliatha, Gidalti, Ramamti Azer, Yash Bekasha, Malothi, Hothir, and Mahaziath. All of these were the uh, the sons of Haman. The king seed in the words of God to exalt his horn, for God gave Haman 14 sons and three daughters. All these were under the direction of their father for the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps for the service of the house of God. Asaph, Yedithun, and Haman were under the authority of the king. So the number of them with their their brothers who were instructed in the songs, all who were skillful, was 288. And they cast lots for their duty, the small as well as the great the teacher, with the student. And we spoke about this last night. Uh, yeah, last night we spoke about the, the practice of casting lots. is quite common throughout the scriptures, a, a way to, uh, to find the will of God, to choose between people, between animals, between jobs here. Verse 9. Now the first lot for Asaph came out for Yosef. The second for with his brethren and sons, twelve. The third for Zakur, his sons and brethren, twelve. The fourth for Yizri, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The fifth for Nathania, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The sixth for Bukia, his sons and his brethren, twelve. The seventh for Yeshareleiah, his sons and brethren, twelve. The eighth for Yes. Yeshaya, his sons and brethren twelve, the ninth Mattiah, his sons and brethren twelve, the tenth for Shimmai, his sons and brethren twelve, the eleventh for Azarel, his sons and brethren twelve, the twelfth for Hashabiah, his sons and brethren twelve, the thirteenth for Shubael, his sons and brethren twelve, the fourteenth for Matthah. Or Matthew, his sons and brethren, twelve; the fifteenth for Yerimoth, his sons and brethren, twelve; the sixteenth for Hananiah, his sons and his brethren, twelve; the seventeenth for Yash uh, Yashbeksha Yash Yashbekesha, his sons and brethren, twelve. Imagine having imagine having a name like that. The eighteenth for Hananiah his sons and brethren, 12. The 19th for Malith, Malothi, his sons and brethren, 12. The 20th for Alitha, his sons and his brethren, 12. The 21st for Hathir, his sons and his brethren, 12. The 22nd for Gedalti, his sons and his brethren, 12. The 23rd for mahaziel his sons and his brethren 12 the 24 the 24 for or the, excuse me the 24th for Ramamti Azer his sons and his brethren 12 all right all right all right let's see what we got here uh for um yeah all right let's see what we got here for In the live chat, we got Caballero says, hello, Christopher. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Many blessings. Vinny says, shalom, everyone. Shalom, shalom. Good to see you guys. Blessings multiplied to every one of you that are listening. Amen. So let's get into Psalms. The book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is always very, very powerful. And always remember, when you're reading Psalms, for the most part, Think of it as Yeshua himself, Yeshua himself actually speaking in the first person. You see, we see this very clear in many of the Psalms, right? Like they pierced my hands and my feet, you know, they gave me gall to drink, they cast my they cast lots for my garments, and on and on and on it goes, right? Uh so it's it's just an amazing, amazing revelation to read the Psalms and to um, to think of it as yeshua speaking himself the words in red actually you know i really believe the psalms should be in red the words in red all right all right great okay so we're reading psalm 131 verse 1 it says lord my heart is not haughty or proud in the um footnotes very powerful right there. Just very, very powerful. My heart is not haughty. My heart is not proud. Nor my eyes lofty or arrogant. Neither do I concern myself with great matters. So literally walk in, walk in with great matters. Nor, do, nor with things too profound for me or too difficult for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Psalm 138, Psalm 138. A Psalm of David. I will praise you with my whole heart. You know, I'm going to take just a little bit of time going through this because it's just so, so powerful. Let's not go through it too fast. Because can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would look like going to a church or a meeting where everybody, everyone in that meeting is praising God with their whole heart? I remember, you know, attending a, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a mainstream denominational church, uh, you know, a rigid kind of church, and they would stand and they would hold the hymn books and they would, they would read, sing, you know, read from the hymn books. Actually, most of them probably didn't even need to open the hymn books. They probably knew the hymns very well, but that is not, that doesn't look very much like they are praising God with their whole heart, does it? Can you imagine what it would look like if people praise God with their whole heart? Before the gods, I will praise you. This word gods. Um, now, let me just double check here. This word gods in the interlinear. So um, uh, I know we're just kind of do, doing this on the fly here. Um, but let's just do this. In the interlinear, that word, that word, God's, Elohim, Elohim, interesting. Before, so really, it really should say like before, because most other places where you see the word Elohim, it's translated as God, God. So it really should say, "Before God, I will, pr- I will sing praises to you." Verse two, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name. This is the reason the reason why like a lot of the Jews take this very literally and that's the reason why they would face you know they would face Jerusalem um I mean you can take this in more of a spiritual sense as well like I will worship towards your holy temple uh, the heavenly temple uh, but uh, that's you know uh, basically. What they would do, and also like also based upon the prayer of of Solomon as well, you know the prayer of Solomon, basically um, praying that uh, the God's people would, uh, if they were to face the temple, when they pray that uh, God would hear them. I will worship towards your holy temple, and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. And that's a good thing, isn't it? That's a good, a very, very good um, promise that we have. And we can be confident when we cry out to God, that God would answer him, answer us. and. Make us bold with strengthen our soul, verse four, all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth, yes, they shall sing, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord, though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar, so what does this mean? He regards the low. It's very similar to what we read over and over again throughout the scriptures, that he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. The proud he knows from afar. Don't we want God to be near us? Well, we must be lowly. We must be humble. We don't want God to be far from us because it's pride that would drive him far from us. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever do not forsake the work of your hands psalm 139 O oh lord you have you have searched me and known me now, this is a very um famous psalm of the um a lot of people use this psalm to uh to prove or to uh, demonstrate God's omnipresence that he's everywhere. He's everywhere at the same time. However, uh, we got to look at the context of this. A lot of of times when you're reading the the scriptures, you got to ask a question, um, who wrote it? Who's speaking? And that, that makes all the difference. Who is speaking here? And in this case, it is David. It's the anointed of God that's speaking. It's not just anybody. This doesn't apply to just anybody. This applies to David or those who are like David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. The word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me in, hedged me behind and before. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell or in, let me see, in the Vulgate here, or it's, see, no, sorry, it's Sheol. Uh, in the grave, basically, in that context, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from me, but the night shines as the day, the darkness and the light both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, in that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written the days fashioned for me when as they were yet. There were none of them. So what does this talk about here when it says, when I was made in secret? This is talking about the mother's womb, right? And skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Again, this is not really literally the lowest parts of the earth, but rather in his mother's womb. In in the most humblest parts of the earth, you you might say. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. So again, you know, he makes it very clear here that it took time. Right? Uh, for God to form him. For you formed me, you, you formed you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. It took time for him to for uh, for, him, for God to form him in his mother mother's womb. just as very much like how we read in the, in uh, Genesis how it took time for God to form the earth. The earth was at the beginning formless almost being like David here, being yet unformed. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you oh that you would slay the wicked oh God isn't this a, it's very interesting that you'd have such uh it seems like a very different tone all of a sudden in in, uh, in verse 19 it's like, it's like everything else is very sweet right everything else sounds quite sweet and and poetic and all of a sudden boom oh that you would slay the wicked oh God depart from me therefore you bloodthirsty men in the Footnotes, uh, man of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord? Who who? You know what I think about when I read this. I think about how you know we were talking about many times before how a lot of these uh, contemporary Christian music artists. How many? I, I couldn't tell you how many songs I have heard that's based upon Psalm 139. And it's like of course they they cut it you know they don't they don't sing uh verse 19 verse 20 they don't sing the rest of this they don't sing verses 19 20 21 22 they cut that out. I don't think they should cut it out. They should sing the whole psalm. If they're going to sing a psalm, they should sing the whole psalm. That's not pick and choose here. Verse 21, do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know me. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way. Everlasting. Isn't that beautiful? That is That should be a wonderful prayer of ours. Search me. O oh God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Beautiful. Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me. And in your righteousness, do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight, no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. For he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have, have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land, Selah. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take sure. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. You know, as I read this, as I, re- as I read this psalm and as I read the, uh, Psalm 139, I think about how, I-, I believe this is how Yeshua prayed. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. In other words, like this could be what he was praying basically after, you know, he gave up his spirit on, on the cross. Praying for revival, praying like literally revival as in resurrection. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies. You see how this, this method of praying, it, we read this all through the Tanakh, where this method of praying is like it's not really praying for the enemies. Actually, um I was just reading a little bit of uh, the uh, book of Jeremiah earlier, just in my own personal time. And, and uh, I noticed how, you know, the Lord said to Jeremiah, do not pray for these, these people. Do not pray for this certain people. It's amazing because a lot of people believe that, you know, you, you should be praying for everybody. But God commanded Jeremiah, do not pray for these p- particular people. Basically, they're not worthy of your prayer. It reminds me of Yeshua's prayer in in the Gospel of John verse seven or chapter seventeen, where Yeshua said, "I don't pray for the world. I pray for my sheep, not for the world." He didn't pray for everybody. He prayed just for his own people. and here he he he's praying against his enemies. And this is why I mean exhibit What is this? Exhibit 50-something now? How many times we see this throughout the scriptures where it's like more proof that in the Gospel of Luke, I believe it is, where Yeshua prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do while he's dying on the cross, basically. Uh, And it says in the footnotes that that is not in the earlier manuscripts. So Really, that's not authentic. That's not, you know, probably not accurate at all. I mean, he probably didn't pray that at all. He probably prayed like this, at least within his heart, you know, cut off off my enemies, silence those who accuse me, destroy those who afflict my soul. I am your servant. And he didn't pray for Judas. In fact, he even said, "It's better for him that he that he wasn't he wouldn't he would never been born." Right. So, um, that's what he said to Judas. You think about that. He could have said, "Oh well, Judas, you know, I, he, you know, he messed up. He 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 messed up," but no. He told him flat out it 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 would have been better if you would never have been born. Can you imagine the Lord of of heaven saying that to you? Wow. That's heavy. That's even worse than praying against the enemies. That's that's And you know what? It could have been because of prayers like this that caused Judas to be where he is today. Okay. I mean, if Jesus prayed for Judas, I guarantee you the prayers of Jesus would be answered. Jesus said to Peter, I pray for you, but not for Judas. He didn't pray for Judas. See what we have here in the comments. Uh, See, we got several things here. So I'm just going to. So we got two more Psalms to read, but I see we got lots of different. uh, We got questions and comments all the way through here. So let me just go through some of this. One John says, uh, have you read the Zohar? I haven't read the whole thing i a little bit i get I get of it yes, uh, let me see a messianic Jew quoted that in the in in a post basically saying that the Torah isn't from the Gentiles yeah, yeah, so um doesn't surprise me because you know some of these people are like that um, yeah it's it's very exclusive and i i I do not believe that's that's the case at all I, I mean we see that throughout the Tanakh and we we talk about that often here going nowhere says uh, do you think people can reproduce slash have children in heaven no I don't think so going nowhere says great thumbnail by the way very pretty thank you very much going nowhere I appreciate that great deception says beautiful i I have prayed that I assume that would be the last prayer the last but basically the prayer of the um of the last Few verses of Psalm 139. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Going nowhere, I felt compelled to share another comforting verse, uh, Revelation 21 4. All right, let's just quickly jump on over there. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Amen. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Will Senior says shalom. Hope all is enjoying their unleavened week. Yes, I am. I am, and I hope so uh, as well for all you guys. Yeah, Great Deception says uh, twenty-one verse four. Nice. Yeah, the brick tra- the brick train has got uh, nose uh, out of out of uh, out of joint here. Uh, that's heretical. Pray for everyone. I mean, listen, if you want to do what Jesus did, WWJD, what did Jesus do? He obviously didn't pray for everyone, okay? And let me, let me tell you something as well, the brick train. I mean, it, you, obviously, it sounds like you're the type of person who would say that, you know, that it, it's our responsibility to show everybody the unconditional love and acceptance of God, okay? Obviously, that's what you're saying because you're saying pray for everyone. I got news for you. That's hypocritical, because you pick you pick something that you don't agree with, and you call, you instantly call it heretical. That's not loving. That's not accepting. That's not being like how you are trying to portray Jesus to be. That's not that's not being uh, loving as as how you portray God to be. The unconditional love and acceptance of God? No, that's not. Can you imagine what would happen if I went around saying, well, you know, eh, yeah, maybe, you know, we should get, I should say, everyone should, should get circumcised in order to get to get saved. You'd go, you'd be, you'd be going crazy, going, oh, heretic, heretic, heretic. Guess what? The disciples in the book of Acts, chapter 15, okay? The, the very disciples who walked and talked with Yeshua. Those who knew Yeshua and those who knew Jesus way thousand, (laughs) a million times more than you do and me. They discuss these things without without getting their nose out of joint going, oh, that's heretical or heresy or false teacher, all these stupid, nonsensical. It's just ad, ad hominem attacks. That's what it is. Pray for everyone. Well, Jesus didn't do that. Now you, see, you go on to say, if you bless enemies there you spelt that wrong, sin uh will only come back to hurt them harder, oh, so you want to hurt them <laughs> so, yeah, that makes sense, pray for them, oh Lord, bless them, I want to hurt them, yeah, makes sense, makes a whole lot of sense. Rick Train says you reap what you sow, um. Yes, but with one condition, and this is what we see throughout the scriptures. You reap what you sow as long as you continue in what you're doing. If you repent, you don't reap. That's very clear. That's why it says all the way through the scriptures, all the way through the scriptures, repent of your sins. That way way you do not reap what you sowed. (laughs) The <laughs> Great Deception. Great Deception says, "I made unleavened bread last night, four pieces to last four days. So they were so they were so good and soft. I like it soft. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, first time, first time soft. I ate them all. I I hear you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So brick train is back." says, uh, Jesus says, bless those who say bad things about you and coerce you. Okay, Um, this is a totally different subject now, okay? This is not like political enemies. This is not like enemies, okay? This is like, this is not like, you know, wolves versus sheep. This is like problems among the sheep, okay? There's a totally different thing there. Rick Train says Judas only card about the money. He became upset because the woman anointed him with perfume that was worth a year, a year worth of wages. That is a theory. OK, we shouldn't say that that's some, like we shouldn't talk as if that's a matter of fact. I mean, that is a theory. Some people believe that's that's the reason. It could be, but it may not be either. It may be just because of other things. Um, It seems like Judas was always a. I mean, right from the, from how long ago? I mean, Jesus said he identified him as a devil. You know, uh, right from the. I I don't know. I I can't say from the very beginning. Although probably, uh, I mean, before that time. Anyway, I mean, it was it was. uh, It was an amazing amount of time. Um, It wasn't like just the very night of that Jesus said, you're, you know, there's a devil among you. He said that a while ago. When John says, I'm going to buy the soft taco flats that have no yeast in them. that's That's an idea. Yes, Will Senior. Actually, you uh, you quoted what I thought about. I thought about this earlier when uh, Going Nowhere asked the question. But uh, so yeah, uh, Matthew twenty two. For in the resurrection, uh, neither do they marry, nor are they given in marriage, but they are like the angels in heaven. Yes, yes. Brick Train says, no offense. I did not call you a heretic. I said that your teaching was a her- was heretical. Well. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, if, but here's the thing, right? I mean, would I be safe to would I be safe to assume that you you don't know all of the truth? Like, who does know all of the truth? Name one teacher, or preacher, or pastor or whatever, anybody, who who like everything they say is perfect, okay? Name one. And please don't tell me someone like Joel Osteen or something like that. Name one preacher or pastor or teacher or whoever that teaches everything perfect. Nothing they say is wrong at all. It's perfection, 100%. My point is this, nobody, nobody knows 100% of truth. So therefore, you shouldn't be quick to label anything as heretical just because it's something you don't agree with. You You should actually be quick to be humble and say, you know what, I could be wrong. Maybe I don't agree with it maybe I just maybe it's just because i don't see something that this other guy sees whatever the case you know you should not be quick to call anything heretical okay you can say i don't think it's right that's fine but to to use that kind of terminology heretical that's you know that's that's using a theological that's a theological serious uh, charge that you that you lay upon somebody so let me put it this way. Because there is no teacher or pastor or preacher in the world that is a thousand, like a hundred, that doesn't say anything wrong. Then they must be all heretical, right? They must be all heretical. They must be all false teachers, right? Because how do you define heretical? Obviously, you defined, you defined heretical by just hearing something that you don't agree with. Because it goes against what you've always believed. Well, guess what? Perhaps what you've always believed is wrong. You need to be humble enough to say, hey, maybe it is wrong. I'll look into it. It's up to you. I mean, you stand before God. I would encourage you not to be quick to call anything heretical. This is a very good, this is a very good point. Great inception. Yeshua was a heretic. Uh, Because you see, this is the thing, right? I mean, what Yeshua was saying, a lot of people had, they picked a fight with him. Why? Because they didn't agree with what he was saying. They, you know, and and not only that, but he, he really uh, hit them hard on a lot of, a lot of issues. And so, yeah, they, they called him a deceiver. Question for move says, could you please explain John? 5.18, yes, for sure. Let's go on over there. John 5.18. So it says, therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because not only had he broken this, excuse me, he had not only broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making him equal with God. Okay, so as, as I always say about the Gospel of John, you need to take it with a grain of salt. This is the latest of all the Gospels. And so it there's a uh, there's a lot of problems with it, and I get lots of problems with it. Uh, this is actually, part of this verse is a problem, because, I mean, Yeshua never broke the Sabbath. If he did break the Sabbath, he would be a sinner and not a savior. Okay? he, it, I mean, I don't think that he did. And I think that he made, first of all, because... If he did, that would make him a sinner. Um, If he broke the Sabbath, another, another point is this. Number two is, if he broke the Sabbath, he would have been immediately arrested and, I mean, taken to court and charged and perhaps even stoned for breaking the Sabbath. They accused. They tried to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath, but he always came back with very good reasons of the, why the Pharisees um, misinterpreted, misunderstood, misapplied the the laws of the Sabbath. Like for example, it's like is it is it not lawful to do good on the Sabbath? And everybody knows, even in the Talmud, from what I understand, even in the Talmud, it says it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So, you know, Yeshua's like, hey, you know, I, I heal someone on the Sabbath, and that's doing good, so you can't really say much to me. And that's why they didn't do, they, they really didn't take it that far. As far as they got was they tried to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath, but they couldn't really convict him of breaking the Sabbath because he always he always had good points of reasons why he did what he did on the sabbath and and the reasons why it was um it was justified and so apparently they couldn't do anything or else they would they would have crucified him long before they did um so that that's one thing the next thing is um calling god his father making himself equal with god okay so and so this would apply to anybody who calls god their father because what they say is, because God is His Father, um, then He must be of the same nature of God. So, in other words, let's say cats beget cats, dogs beget dogs, right? Cows beget cows, sheep beget sheep, God begets God. You know what I'm saying, so that's that was their that was their um reasoning behind that, and so that's the reason why they said that and and again, I started out by saying this, and I'll end by saying this because it all needs to be sandwiched between this, and we need to take the gospel of John with a grain of salt and again, I'm not saying we should throw it out. I'm not saying that it's all wrong. I'm just saying that we need to take it with a grain of salt because of many 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 um. Many problems, many, many um, um, things, uh, uh, points of the, uh, like, for example, that it's very, it's, it's very late, you know, at the earliest, the late, like 60 years after Yeshua died on the cross, 60 years after, at the very latest, earliest, I should say. Some people believe it even goes into the late second century, even early third century. The the, uh, the the Gospel of John, um, but I mean, average they say maybe the um, mid or even mid early second century. Even then, that's very very late, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of problems with the Gospel of John. So we just got to keep that in 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 mind. So you know, it's whenever you get questions like all these questions, all of these questions that seem like there's problems like it's usually either one of two things it's It's usually either something from the letters of paul or from the gospel of john i find that i know that those of you who uh join me every night here you you'll see that right that so many people it's like oh i see a contradiction or i see something that's very um unusual or i see see something that doesn't make sense i want to ask you about this and it's usually either what Paul said or what the Gospel of John says. It's usually one of those two things. Out of all the 66 books or more, depending on what Bible you want to go, out of all the 66 books, it's usually those two categories. Um, thank you very much for asking question for move. Very good question and this is this is the cliche the clichés i mean the clichés just come just coming out like crazy right the the the, the modern day corrupt christian clichés i mean hate the sin not the sinner well yeah you know what god he didn't crucify jesus no 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 he just crucified the sin not the not you know he divide, it, it, it wasn't a person that he's he, that 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 took the the wrath it was just sin just sin that took the wrath I'm sorry for being, maybe I'm not sorry, but the reason why I'm sarcastic here is, is to show the nonsensical, it's just ludicrous to say, oh, I hate the sinner, but not the sin. Well, don't you know the sinner is identified by the sin? That's why the sinner is a sinner. And, I mean, it's what makes him the sinner. That's what identifies him. That's what, that's what he's all about. If God hates the sin and not the sinner, then he then then that means he puts sin up on the cross, but not not a person. If he if he divides sin from a person, then that's that's what should have been done, right? It doesn't make sense, and I understand. It makes it makes me oh yeah, it's just just a cliche thing. It just makes God seem a little bit nicer than how. It is in the scriptures. By the way, by the way, when I say nice, uh, you know, uh, you know, the word nice, actually. And here's an here's a little bit of a tip of etymology for you guys. The word nice comes from the the, uh, an ancient word that means no science. That's basically no science. In the Latin nonsense is like night. Nice. It, it 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 evolved to nice, and it, basically, what it means is silly, stupid, ignorant, right? So yeah, it just makes it just. It, it's just this the the modern day corrupt Christian cliche thing. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Doesn't say that anywhere in the scriptures. Nowhere. Nowhere. In fact, it's the opposite. We just read a little bit in the Psalms. So, the great deception says, look up heretic. A person believing in or practicing religion, religious heresy. A person holding an opinion at odds with what is generally accepted. Amen. Amen to that, because what's, ex- what's generally accepted? Falsehood. Right? Falsehood is generally accepted. By the way, those of you who are uh, listening to me here, I am also live stream. If you look, if you see me look up, it's because I am live streaming on YouTube simultaneously. So you guys want to know what I'm doing. I'm looking all over the place here. I got a, I got a, a live stream going here as well as actually I got uh, how many different? One, two, four, seven different. Eight different live streams going here all at once, so um, yeah. So it just depends on how it just it depends on the um, the context of the word heresy. Rick Train says, "I think you can hate sin without hating the sinner." Uh, <laughs> good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. I know it sounds all nice and pretty, but good luck with that one. Mark says Shalom Shalom Mark good to see you great deception it's got a slightly different thing here heretic goes against the normal accepta- acceptable practice of a religion yeah it, it, you know especially when that acceptable practice is a uh, is corrupt is a is a corruption of the original for sure Caballero says he must be one of those who thinks the Pope is infallible Hmm. Brick Train says you love. You must love all people. Punishment depends on sin. And Great Deception says, "What is love to you?" And that's a very good, very good question for that for that comment because it, love is a very ambiguous ambiguous word. A lot of people use it in very different ways. So God loves everyone. Well. Not in an absolute universal sense, but in a sense, if God, if God, um, if love means giving them a uh, supporting their life by allowing them to breathe, by giving them air to breathe and rain on their crops and food to eat, then yeah, God loves all people. Well, for the most part anyway, because there are a lot of people that don't have that. Um, but yeah, um, and it's very clear. I mean, it, when you ask the question, does God love everyone? It's just such a very sloppy statement. It's like, does God love everyone? It's like, God loves everyone. Uh, well, in the sense that he allowed them to live, maybe. Uh, but again, Judas, did Jesus love Judas? Telling him that it would, it would be better that he would ne- never been born? Like, okay, is that how you love people? Is that how you love someone? Tell the love of your life that and see how that goes over. (laughs) That's horrible. Okay? How how do you define love? So the question should be, does God love everyone from the first man ever created to the last one born, Just probably just a second ago? And the answer is obviously no. Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. And you see, all the all the actually through the Psalms is very clear, where it says He hates the workers of iniquity. Very clear. The Great Deception says love is speaking the truth. That's a good one too, because you see in in Leviticus chapter nineteen uh, it says, "You shall love your neighbor; you shall not suffer him to sin, but you shall rebuke him." And that's that's like all. Let me just point pull that up here. Um, but you know, let let me give you guys a surefire way to find a hypocrite. Anybody who who preaches and you know touts the whole the whole narrative of you must you know that it's the Christian's job to show everybody God's love, God's unconditional love and acceptance. Any Christian who preaches that it's our job to show everybody God's unconditional love and acceptance, you can be pretty much pretty sure that that's a hypocrite. They'll be the first ones to block you if you challenge them. They'll be the first ones to call you names. They'll be the first ones to, you know, to unfriend you. They'll be the first ones to ignore you. They'll be the first ones to cast you out. Here is a good one. In Leviticus chapters 19, verse 17. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that he will not, so that you will not share in their guilt. There you go. All in one sentence love and rebuke. Yes, the great deception says tell them to repent, follow Yeshua, keep his commands and prepare their hearts. Yes, absolutely. That's actually, that is love. Psalm 94 says, Shalom, sorry I'm late, but I'm here. Shalom, welcome. Good to see you. Psalm, or excuse me, 911, Everlasting Gospel. Good to see you. Welcome. Uh, Leviticus 19, 17. We just read that. Rebuke is love. I. Amen. Amen. God loves. Those that love him, that's true. There's the condition there. <laughs> Great deception. I love jelly donuts. Yeah, and this is good too. This is this is true. An unjust man is detestable to the righteous, and one whose way is upright is detestable to the wicked. Proverbs twenty nine twenty seven. Beautiful. Thank you for um, for quoting that. It's awesome. Rick Train, wow, man, you, you're you're just the cliche Christian man. I tell you all the way, God loves everyone equal. Not according to my Bible, it doesn't, and not according to any other Bible that I've ever read, He doesn't. Absolutely not. So you purposefully ignore all the stuff that you that some of the stuff we even read today. How God hates the workers of iniquity. You purposefully ignore that. You just plug your ears. Plug your ears, purposefully ignore that. We know that God does not love everybody. We know that God did, did not love Esau. That's why, that's why Jacob got all the blessings. That's why the circumstances in life were favorable to Jacob and not to Esau. Even to this day, Esau has a bad name. Esau has a bad name. Same with Judas has got a bad name. okay. God does not love everyone equal. Absolutely not. Even Jesus didn't didn't love everyone equal. He had his inner circle. Again, according to the Gospel of John, he had the the disciple whom he loved, which implies there were others that he did not love as much. We know for sure that there was the three that he loved more than the other nine because the three he took in places, they had VIP access. The other nine, he left, he told them to stay out, you know, when he was raising the dead of Gyrus' daughter, he told him to stay down in the bottom of the mountain. He didn't, he didn't want them to come up to the uh, uh, up the Mount of Transfiguration. Only, only Peter, James, and John. Uh, we read there just a few days ago uh, when Yeshua was praying uh, the 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 last prayer, so to speak, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He took Peter, James, and John with him. Nobody else. They had the inner scoop. They they were the VIP uh, members. Okay, uh, obviously. Jesus didn't didn't love even his own twelve disciples equally that's quite obvious and if you think he did then I'm telling you again you're just denying reality you can just you know this but this is this is typical with, with a lot of Christians they look truth right in the face they stare truth right in the face and they deny it. Yeshua said to uh the church in Re- revelation let me just pull it up here um But I guarantee, you, like this, this kind of nonsense where God loves everybody equal, and we got to show—guarantee you, these are the type. These are the type of people that are the first ones to show those. They'll, they'll show what real love is for sure. They're the first ones to to ignore you. They're the first ones to unfriend you. They're the first ones to call you names. They're the first ones that don't, don't want nothing to do with you. This is uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, to the church. This is Jesus, by the way, speaking, actually. Let's just kind of make it official, put the red letters on. Jesus speaking, J- uh, Revelation 2, verse 18, to the, church in, to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God. This is the w- words of Jesus, whose eyes are like blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds your love and faith your service and perseverance and that you are now doing you are now doing more than you did at first nevertheless i have this against you you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet oh but i love her oh i love her says jesus oh i pray for her you guys should pray for Jezebel right right isn't that right by her teaching, she, lis- she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating food sacrificed to idols. <coughs> Paul, uh, where are you now, Paul? Didn't you say, Mr. Paul, uh, in 1 Cor- Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 10 that it's okay to eat food sacrificed to idols as long as you don't cause someone else to stumble? Hmm. Verse 21, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. I will cast her on a bed of suffering. See how much he loves her. See how much he loves her. I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her her ways. I will strike her children dead. Brick, Mr. Brick Train, uh, tell me, tell me, tell me how this is. Oh, Jesus loves everyone equally, right? Don't they? Doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you read through this. You read through this. You see what Yeshua says. You see how he talks here it, to the church in Thyatira. He said to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who uh, who do not hold to her teaching, and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have uh, You have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will, does my will, to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as i uh, just as I have received authority from my Father, okay. There's many other things in in the in uh, Revelation as well, and there's um, this is Yeshua. This this is the sweet, loving Yeshua who loves everybody the same. Who always goes around and tells everybody, "I love you," and I love you all. I love you all. One more, Revelation 3, 9. This is the words of Yeshua speaking. This is the words of Jesus. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved everybody equally. Nope, sorry. That's not what he said. He obviously singled out a specific group of people that he loves, implying that there are others that he doesn't love. Okay. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge I have loved you. I will make them acknowledge. I'll make them come fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved everybody equally. You see, I, see, I don't have like, the thing is with church pastors anymore, and this is the reason why they preach such nonsense, is because they are there to please the board. They're there because they're hired by the board. They're there to, pre- to please the board. They're there to t- to tickle everyone's ears. That's why. I'm not here to tickle anybody's ears. I want the truth. I want to speak the truth. One John says, uh, I think throwing the love word around all the time cheapens the word. It it certainly does. If, if love is only love when you, when it's, when it's focused on a specific person or or at least a group of people, a specific person, it has to be specific. It can't be just everybody, anywhere, everywhere, you know, just can't do that. I mean, um, You know, there's a, there's a saying in the business world. If you advertise to everybody, you advertise to nobody. If it's for everybody, it's for nobody. It has to be specifically for somebody. It has to be targeted for somebody. Love that is untargeted is not really love. It isn't. When you, when love is targeted, that's when it's, that's when it becomes special. If it's not targeted, it's not special. Excuse me. Nine one one everlasting gospel. I love those who love me. He didn't say I love everybody. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. It's not like everybody finds me. No, it's not like every, I love everybody. No, I love those who love me. Very good. It's exactly what that's exactly what we're saying here. Great deception says yes. The brick train, oh my, oh my. Cliché, cliché galore here. You know, instead of the context of Proverbs eight nineteen, it was during the Old Covenant. You don't know, I can tell by the way you're talking here, you do not know what the Old Covenant is. You do not know what the Old Covenant is. Talking like this, you don't know what the Old Covenant is. You actually have... It's worse than that. You have no clue. I'm telling you the truth. You have no clue. By the way, did you know that like the whole idea of putting all of the pre-New Testament books all together in one category and calling it Old Covenant, Old Testament, that began with Marcion? That began with a child of the devil who did that? Do you not know? That there are many covenants. From Genesis to Malachi. Do you not know? There are many covenants, many testaments from Genesis to Malachi. The covenant of Adam, the covenant covenant of Abel, the covenant of Job, the covenant of Abraham, the covenant, of Isaac, the covenant of Jacob, the covenant of Moses, the covenant of David. The covenant of Noah. Many covenants all the way through. That's why when, when Paul wrote to, the Rome, to his few buddies in Rome there, when he wrote the book of Romans, he said in Romans chapter 9, he said, to the Jews belong the covenants, plural. Hmm. He knew there were many covenants. And by the way, covenant is not law. Testament is not law. It's a different, totally different thing. And obviously, you don't know. Old Covenant doesn't mean old. Old Covenant is doesn't mean from Genesis to Malachi. There are many covenants in there. It's very misleading. See, what you're doing is you are believing in a label that man put on a group of books. You're not believing what God actually said or any of the biblical scriptural uh, doctrines and concepts that are presented to us throughout the scriptures. You don't believe that. You are believing Bible publishers that slapped old covenant on between Genesis and Malachi. That's what you're believing. You're believing man, nothing to do with God. Cuz you don't know what covenant is, you don't know what you don't know the difference between covenant and law. And by the way, Proverbs 8:19 has nothing to do with the quote-unquote old covenant. If you think it does, obviously you have no clue. Yes, Caballero, uh, Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Yes, yeah, very good one. Let's just quickly go on over there. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes and a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes and and feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness that pours out lies. Oh boy, do I ever get this against? I get people, false witnesses against me pouring out lies all the time. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Brick Train. Here's some homework for you, Brick Train. Here's some homework. Think about this tonight. Think about this tonight. Every church, probably the church that you go to or the church that you used to go to, every church that I know of, they all all claim to be biblical, New Testament, Book of Acts kind of churches. But I've not found one that actually is. Because most people don't know, and apparently Brick Train doesn't know either, what that meant. What does it mean? What was it like to be in the New Testament Book of Acts church? Number one, they didn't have a New Testament. What was the text that they used when they preached their their sermons? What text did they use as their foundation? Don't tell me New Testament because the New Testament wasn't written at that time. What text did they use? When Paul came to Berea in Acts chapter 17 and they tested every concept that he presented against the scriptures, what scriptures did they use? The New Testament didn't exist in that time. Question for you, Brick Train The New Testament church did not have the New Testament Bible. What scriptures did they use when they wanted to present and preach a certain concept or truth from the word of God? What scriptures, what text did they use? It wasn't the New Testament. It didn't exist. Great deception. Really good, uh, says the quote unquote old covenant. That is eternal for all your generations. Okay, yeah, that's that's exactly the yeah you know, that's it right there. It says again, I, I I personally counted over forty times, forty times. I know of someone else who claimed to count. Uh, uh, actually, I only I only counted from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Forty, how many was it? Forty-five times or whatever it was, <clears throat> from Genesis to Deuteronomy. How many times does God have to say it in order for it to be true? He says it over and over and over again. This is eternal. This is never ending. It's everlasting. I know someone who said that that um, God that that God said it sixty five times throughout throughout the so called Old Testament. That is that it's eternal. Going nowhere. Uh, I I actually answered this question the other day when we were reading through John. Um, Well, actually, we didn't read through John. We read the last few chapters of John. So the question is I've heard that Peter, James, and John were the closest disciples to Jesus, but do you think the disciple Jesus loved is referring to John? Traditionally speaking, that's what people believe. I question that. I think that it. It could be, I'm not saying it's not, but I also, I believe that it is a very good possibility that it was James too. I don't think it was Peter. I think it was James. I think, let me just say this. James is a very good possibility because, let me, I, I you know, when i sometimes i read these comments that are on tiktok or on youtube and you know people just make blatant, you know statements like raw like and they don't tell you why right i, I like to t- like reasons why right it's not not just not just blurting out words or beliefs but reasons behind it solid you know evidence behind it so the reason why i believe that james could be the disciple whom jesus loved is because james was his brother At least half brother. The other ones weren't. James was his brother. And he chose James to be his successor to to the church. That's clear. We see that in practice in Acts chapter 15 and Acts chapter 21. We also have that uh, recorded several times in extra biblical materials within the first few centuries. James was the one who was the leader of the church. James was the one that Jesus specifically handed the torch over to. So if John was the one whom he loved, why did he hand why did he give up everything to James? Why did he give the authority and you know basically pass the torch to James? I think that James could have been. It's likely. John, like I said, it's possible, but I I, uh, I think James is more more like it. Great deception. Even before I even read your your comment, James, yeah, uh, awesome. Brick Train says God has the right to be angry. Oh yeah, and you know what? When when God's angry, he can't say, "Oh well, God," you know. It reminds me of a guy I, I back in nineteen ninety two when I, I was out on the street talking to one of some of my old buddies about Jesus. Okay. And this guy was a real, he was a, he was a, he was a man of the, he was a, he was a man of the streets. Okay. He was, um, he, I was talking to him about loving people and, and forgiving people. And he, I, uh, I, I never forget it. It's the last okay. thing he actually said to me, because shortly after that, he actually, he had something terrible happen to him and he, uh, he lost his life. But um, he said, I'll show, I'll show, you know, so-and-so who, how much I love them. I'm going to go and, you know, punch their face in. I'll, you know, unleash my anger on this person. I'll show them how much I love them. Hey, I mean, God, all the way through, especially in the book of Revelation, but also in the book of Acts, too. We have Ananias and Sapphira dropping dead for telling a little white lie. We have Elemis struck blind. We have Herod struck dead just because he well, he missed the beat. He he didn't praise God when he should have. uh, (laughs) He missed the beat. That's how much God loves them. I know you can twist it and you can reconcile a brick train. I know you can do that. But be honest. Be honest with yourself. If you have some loved ones drop dead, because God strikes them dead, You can say, "Oh, look at that how much God loves them. Let's be honest. So the question, what about the story about the servant who was in debt and did not forgive the smaller debt the servant owed him? That's a good story. And that's a, that's a story of the Torah, okay? Because the Torah says, don't hold a grudge." And so when someone holds a grudge, they are breaking Torah. And when they're breaking Torah, they are giving room for the enemy to come in, i.e. the devil. And they're giving God the right to judge them. It's simple. Very simple. Obey the law, you're good. You don't obey the law, not good. That's it. Very simple. You brood of vipers! Yeah, look how Yeshua, look how he, he, Yeshua spoke to people. You, bro, you brood of vipers, and one thing that he, one of the favorite things he called people hypocrite, whitewashed tombs, snakes, brood of vipers. Called Herod a fox, even called a woman a dog. Oh, how Jesus loves them. He wouldn't even heal the woman. He wouldn't even give the woman the miracle she came for because she wasn't a Jew. Yeah, I'm not going to give the children's bread to the dogs. Can you imagine everybody just joining hands with that woman, All, of the, especially the non-Jews, especially the Gentiles going, Jesus loves me, this I know after Jesus says to both them, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to give the children's bread, the healing, the, the blessings to the dogs. That's what it says. I mean, that's what it says. That's in your Bible. But finally, after she persisted enough, she persisted. She would not be offended. And that's a, that's a key when it comes to getting blessings from God. Don't get offended. When, and that's why Jesus, why did Jesus say, blessed are those who are not offended in me? Why? Because he was so offensive. People were not going around singing Jesus loves me all the time when he was, around. actually, they, he, they were so angry with him. He, they tried to do him in time and time again. He had to skedaddle out of there how many times? Because they were so angry with him. Finally, when they finally got a hold of him, crucify him, everyone. Why? Well, almost everyone anyway. Why? Because he loved him so much? No. Great deception. You you got it right there. That is Torah. That's uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Nine, nine, one, one year. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah for this stuff. The the, the scriptures you guys are pulling out is awesome. Brick train. You need to listen. I highly recommend you pull the scales, if you can. Pull the scales off your eyes. Take your fingers out of your ears, okay? And look at this stuff. Throw out all the cliches you've ever heard. Throw it all out. All the stuff that you've believed and you've held dear to your to your you know to your heart, throw it out. And then go back to this to square one. Build again right from the scriptures on up. If favor, grace is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. That's not love. In, in the land of the of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. That's it. Right there. Perfect. Brick Train says, can I not target love toward all my neighbors? This is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. Because you see, there's a difference between holding a personal grudge as opposed to. When you talk about and when when you got like the book of psalms speaking of the enemies okay it's not talking about personal grudges so yes in regards to personal issues yeah forgive people show them grace that's that's torah absolutely but when it comes to you know non-personal issues impersonal stuff that's a different story it's a different story it's like wartime versus peacetime laws. Okay. It's different. It's a different story. And yes, it is. It is Torah. It is the law of God to, to love your neighbor, to forgive them, not to hold a grudge. And that's, again, this is, we're not talking about personal grudges, you know, And this, it's very important not to hold any grudges against people. Will says, uh, if Yah's love, if Yah loves all, excuse me, uh, None will be thrown into the everlasting fire. That's a good one too. And you see, again, you got. Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit behind on the on the uh, chat here, but you know, then you get the people. Again, the cliches. Well, it's not God who, who will throw you into hell. You 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 throw yourself into hell. Wrong, like so wrong. Yeshua said, "Don't fear him who can kill the body, but after." the body is dead, can throw your soul into hell. Fear him. Yeshua was not teaching anybody to fear the devil. God forbid. Yeshua was teaching people to fear God. Nobody throws their their own self into hell. Nobody would do that. There's nobody in their right mind anyway. I mean, God is judge. And as judge, he has the right to throw someone into everlasting fire. Who is it? I mean, maybe there, uh, I wouldn't doubt there'd be some, but not many people that would, can you imagine someone who is convicted of a crime, actually not even convicted of a a crime, but just throws themselves into jail. Like it's not the judge that does it. court but it's just them they just go to jail and say hey i'm here i want to i want to you know i i I throw myself into jail i don't think that would be acceptable i don't think that that would work i don't think that they they would take that in it would have to be a judge to do it in the same way no one no one throws their no one throws their own soul into hell god does Brick Train says God said he would, uh, he would establish a new covenant so that all nations could be saved. First of all, yes, a new covenant would be established. Yes, where does this all nations come in? What, what, what verse do you have there? And again, please don't mistake in covenant with law. The law is eternal. Covenants are temporary. But the law is eternal There's many different covenants many covenants all over is covenants all over the scriptures 911 says um the in the gospel of Thomas it claims Yeshua left James in charge I'm, I'm iffy about the gospel of Thomas but I agree with some of the verses yeah, the gospel of Thomas says that yeah it got uh, the hegisippus as well Hegesippus talks about that as well um He's like, what do they call the, like one of the church is not a church historian, but, um, yeah, I guess this is like one of the, one of the ones that lived during the second century. So he confirms in his writings that James was left in charge of the, of the, of the, of the gang. All right. Of the, of the way, if you want to put it that way. But we see, we see that in operation in Acts chapter 15. And we see that in operation in Acts chapter 21, because James was the one who, who, he was the one who, who actually, um, he's the one that laid down the law. He's the one that had the final word. He's the one that, that had the authority to say, okay, guys, this is what's, this is what, you know, this is what's, uh, this is the final judgment here. This is the final decision right here. James was the one that called the shots. What is, the difference, what is the difference between holding a grudge and hating people? It's like this, okay? Again, uh, you obviously, you, you need to do a lot more research into how the law of God works, okay? It's very much like the law of the land today. I don't know what nation you're in, what part of the world you're in, but it doesn't really matter. Um, as far as I know, every nation has laws like this. There are laws that are like judicial laws, and then there are laws that are personal laws. Right? So, for example, um, you can't, you know, in the law books, there might, it might say, well, if if someone steals, you know, so, uh, you know, if it's under five thousand dollars theft, then they deserve two months in jail, something like that. Whatever it is, I don't know. Just for the sake of talking about it here, so if someone steals fifty bucks from you. Does that mean because it says in your law books and of your nation, does that mean you can go and take that person and lock them up? No, it's not for you. Those laws are the judicial laws that the judges can, you know, can rule. Um, You can't do that the same way with na- in every nation right i mean you got law enforcement they can assault people under certain circumstances they can assault people legally but you can't in wartime i don't know of any nation that has laws that's against killing during wartime all of the all of the every nation i know of and maybe there is a nation out there i don't know but every nation i know of during wartime you have the legal right to go and wait and and do what you got to do in war which could include pulling the trigger on somebody but you can't do that personally no 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 you do that personally no (laughs) you're in big trouble Life in prison or worse, depending on where you live. okay and that's exactly the way it is with Torah. When it comes to personal issues, you don't hold a grudge against somebody. but when it comes to an an enemy, like an enemy of uh, like a, like a, an un, like an impersonal enemy. Someone you don't know personally, someone that you don't have a grudge against personally, that's a different story. It's very much like the laws of you know, wartime versus peacetime laws. Very much like that. And so that's one thing you need to understand. There's, there are different categories, like different applications of law, just like there is in every, every country around the world. Yes, nine one one. I'm aware of this. God, uh, Gospel of Thomas, verse uh, chapter twelve. The disciples said, "Jesus, we know you are going to leave us. Who will you, who will lead us then?" Jesus said to them, "Wherever you are, uh, you'll go to James the Just, whom heaven and earth came into being." Yes, absolutely, and I believe that that's that's true. That that's legit. That's accurate because we see that in operation in the Book of Acts. I don't understand why you keep bringing this up, Brick, brick Train. Because I mean, it, it seems like you have no clue. Again, it seems like you don't know what what the new agreement is, what the new covenant is. Okay, so very, very briefly, and then I'll get into the the the, the last couple uh, psalms that we'll read. This okay, but very briefly. The, the New Covenant, it says in Jeremiah 31 exactly what it is. It's the law that's written on your hearts. That's it. No more, no less. In the Old Covenant, the law was written on uh, externally, basically, for the most part. But the New Covenant is when the law is written on your heart. It's the same law, just a different different medium. I don't know how old you are, brick train, but perhaps maybe you lived during some time when you there was such a thing way back in the day called a cassette tape. Audio cassette, even CDs. I don't anymore, you don't see many CDs. But audio cassette. You can have you can have an audio cassette, you can have a cassette of your favorite band. Your Or your favorite musician. The album. With all your favorite songs on it. But today you can download it. And it will be. Actually. Remastered. It will be. A slightly better. Quality. Okay. It's the same songs. The same lyrics, the same music, just bad, tat, in better quality, but it's the same, and that's exactly the way it is with the new covenant. It's the same as the so-called old covenant, the exact same. Same lyrics, same music, same words, same everything. It's just on a different medium. Instead of it being like on a cassette, it's now on you know, it's now in digital format. Instead of it being on parchment or on stone, the law of the Torah now is in your heart. Rick Train says, I was in, I was martial arts starting at a young age. Uh, I've, you know, I, I have never gotten involved with that, but I've heard a lot of bad stuff about that, that these martial arts are actually, um, it's almost like yoga, different wor- worship positions of different gods, it's, it could be a very, uh, an open door to evil spirits. Uh, they taught me to be angry, which made me hateful. Well, I, uh, yeah, get that for sure. Uh, I did not like it. So you're, so you're telling me I can hate impersonal enemies. This is a new one. Will not. Well, okay. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you already do within your heart. I'm pretty sure you already do. Yeah, I've heard that uh, martial arts are uh, a form of um, it's taken from roots that are very ungodly you know different other gods and idols that are used uh, it has a lot of different uh, very evil roots, so I would definitely not advise anybody to get into that. Great right. deception hate sin, thirst for righteousness. okay, before we get on too far let's let's wrap up with psalm, the last couple psalms. And again, like so, these Psalms are the Word of God, and we've seen it throughout the Scriptures how the Word of God, the Psalms, is actually Yeshua speaking in first person. And uh, you know, someone like the big the brick train over there, you don't believe it? Well, sorry, you don't believe it, but uh, your own your own Bible tells you that, and therefore, it is Yeshua. Praying against his enemies. It's possible to pray against your enemies without having bitterness in your heart. It is possible. Without having a personal grudge. Look at even Paul. Look at what he says. Um, Before I I go too far, just before... um, Let me just, because, you know, Brick Train, I believe that you are caught up and wrapped up in just fantasy. It's what it is. It's just fantasy. One of the people that Paul really hated was Alexander. Alexander. Um 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Is that praying for them? Is that praying for Alexander? No, it's not. It's praying against Alexander. The Lord reward Alexander according to his evil works. Right? That's what he says here. This is Paul. The beloved brother Paul, Alexander did me much evil, says Paul. The Lord reward him according to his works. So how do you think Paul, what do you think Paul meant by this? Do you think that that Paul was saying, oh, Lord, just bless Alexander for his evil because he did so much evil to me. Just bless him. No, of course not. What do you mean by the Lord reward him? The Lord give him what he deserves. That's what he was saying, basically. Give him according to his evil. In fact, Paul even said something a lot harder, harsher uh, against Alexander. Uh, uh, that was in 2 Timothy 4 4. Back there in 1 Timothy, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, Paul says, Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan? Whom I have delivered unto Satan. Brick Train, how many people have you delivered on? Un- hey, Paul, I'm pretty sure, Brick Train, you probably think Paul is, the, is a saint, right? You believe that he is just absolutely 100%, right? Paul didn't have much good to say about Alexander, to say the least. He prayed against him. He didn't be much evil. The Lord repay him for that. And not only that, even, even harsher than that, I delivered him over to Satan. Can you imagine? You see, church... Church services today, you know, you know, um, dedicating the child or the baby to God or dedicating yourself to dedicating your life to the Lord. You imagine, what kind of service would this be? Let's dedicate Alexander to Satan. That's it right there. Alexander, who I have delivered unto Satan. All right, let's get on over to. Psalm, Psalm 144, Psalm 144, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war. (laughs) Hey, we're just talking about something like this, right? And again, this is the word of God. This is Yeshua in the written form right here. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war. By the way, um, you know, brick brick train, when Yeshua comes back and executes um, judgment upon all the ungodly for all the ungodly things that they've done in the ungodly ways that they've done them and all the harsh things that they spoke against him, it says that he'll be like trampling out grapes. There'll be so much blood everywhere. Actually, actually, a second here. Speaking about the second coming of Jesus, and this is the meek, mild, loving Jesus, according to Brick Train. I'm pretty sure the Brick Train will probably, you know, believe that Jesus is a, is always the meek, mild, loving one that would never flip tables over and whip people, whip animals and people out of the temple. Ah, that It just won't happen. But, isaiah chapter 63 talks about the second coming of yeshua listen to how it happens who is this that comes from edom with dyed garments from basra this that is glorious in his apparel traveling in the greatness of his strength i that speak in righteousness mighty to save why are you red in your apparel Actually, you know what? Let me me put this over to New King James, a little bit easier to read. Why is your apparel red, Lord? Why, Jesus? And your garment's like one who treads in the winepress. It's like, you're just red. red. Why is this? Listen to the answer. I have trod in the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. For I have trodden them in my anger and have trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked, but there was no one to help, and I wondered that there was no one to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation for me. My own fury, it sustained me. I have trodden down peoples in my anger, made them drunk in my fury, brought down their strength to the earth. That's a little bit of an appetizer of what it would look like when Yeshua comes back with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon the ungodly. Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. My loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge. Who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you are mindful of him. Man is like a breath. His days like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners. Again, this is probably, you know, this, um, rescue me and deliver me out of great waters. So the great waters talking about the, uh, all the things that really, I mean, Yeshua went through from the hand of foreigners from the Romans, whose mouth speaks lying words, we got the false witnesses, and whose hand is like the right hand of falsehood, I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. Remember, it says in the Gospels how Yeshua actually sang a a hymn or a psalm. I wonder what psalm he, he actually sang. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to know? Verse 10. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers his, David, his servant, from the deadly sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speaks lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars, sculptured in palace style. That our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. That our oxen may be well laden. That there be no breaking in or going out. That there be no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 145. I will, extol, I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. And His tender mercies are over all His works. By the way, talking about the difference between the so-called Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the Old Covenant has got a lot of stuff about how gracious God is, how merciful He is. You know, for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. You don't hear that in the the New Testament. You don't hear those Psalms, those songs sung in the New Testament. But over and over again, you you read about them in the so-called Old Testament. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts, and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall, raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. There is the condition right there. He also will hear their cry and save them. Not everybody's cry, but their cry. Who's there? Those who fear those who fear God. The Lord preserves all who love him. Again, not everybody, all who love him. But all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall Speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Awesome, oh, amen, oh, amen. All right, guys, I am out of here. We are gonna shut this down here in just a moment. Um. Tomorrow night, same time, same place, seven p.m. Eastern. We will continue where we left off, continuing to read the scriptures, go through the scriptures in a chronological order, as chronological as possible. So tomorrow we will we will read more Chronicles, uh, Chronicles chapter twenty six to twenty nine, and several more Psalms as well. And so that's what we're going to do tomorrow um don't forget thursday no friday excuse me friday we have lord willing we'll have Onia back with us talking about the manuscripts and some of the corruptions that have made its way into the manuscripts uh into the scriptures and how it happened why it happened when it happened all that kind of stuff um on saturday we we are back with uh again another Shabbat service at 2 p.m. Eastern. So we're live by the grace of God. We are live every single day, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, except for Saturday, it is 2 p.m. So we have um, Caballero says, thank you for another day of Bible reading. See you tomorrow. Good night. Thank you very much, Caballero. Good night. Great Deception says, good night. Good night. Blessings, blessings. Thank you. Have a great evening, says one John. You too. Blessings multiplied to you. 911, good to see you here, by the way. I know nine one one. Usually, I usually see you in the in the replays. But uh, yeah, good to see you. Glad you got to join us for this live. Says thank you. Bye. Thank you very much. Nine one one. Shalom and blessings. Great deception says thank you, brother. Much love to you all and blessings to you all. Multiplied back to you, brother. Thank you very much. Um, I apologize if I miss your, some of your your um, comments or questions here. There's so many of them coming in. And we will pick it up again tomorrow night. If you're able to join us tomorrow night, uh, please do so, 7 p.m. Eastern. Deborah says, thank you, Christopher. It is great going through the scripture piece by piece. Good night. Thank you very much, Deborah. It's great to have you. Oops. Oops too slow says I came late. Well, um yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? Oops too slow says I came late. If you can come tomorrow night, every night we're we're live, 7 p.m. Eastern every night. So if you if you can come tomorrow night, please do so seven p.m it usually we usually go for a couple hours sometimes it's a little bit more sometimes a little bit less sometimes you know it depends on the on the day usually on fridays or something like that we usually go a lot longer uh so come and uh, come and join us make sure you do that I'm not sure how it works over there on Trovo, but if you have notifications or whatever, or you know what you can go over to YouTube and just uh, subscribe to me over there. I am streaming live on YouTube right now as well. You can look me up over there. It's Christopher Enoch. Just go to YouTube, look me up over there. Um, and uh, make sure you got the notifications on so that when I go live you can you can jump on right away. Going there going nowhere says thanks as always, Chris must much, much appreciate what you do. Thank you very much. I appreciate you as well. All right, guys, I'll see you again tomorrow night. Blessings, blessings. As always, I pray for each one of you. You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Okay, you guys are world changers. It's all about you guys. I appreciate every one of you. I appreciate your questions. I appreciate your comments. So, as always, I pray for each one of you that the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you wonderful wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.